Welcome back, everyone, to a fun-filled Emerge Conflict, your weekly developer podcast. Talking about all things in the world of developery things. Uh, sometimes .NET, sometimes the Apple Vision Pro, sometimes open source <laughs> software, sometimes uh, in-app billing plugins, and just general in-app billing APIs that change every year. I am one of your hosts uh, who is in a okay mood today, James Montemagno, and with me as only, as always, as only, as always, the one and only Mr. Frank Kruger. How's it going, buddy? Yes, I, I try to never leave your side. I try to always be there for you whenever you need me. I respond to your texts the moment you send them. I'm just on top of things. And I'm in a great mood, even though I'm completely exhausted. I had to do some physical work today, and so my body's tired, but I am ready to talk about technology because that's what we do. We talk about technology, <laughs> but mostly programming and mostly .NET. Okay, we have our niches. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, it is true. But today I do want to talk about Android. Uh, we have three topics today. I have two and in the time that we do those two, Frank has to come up with a third. So will he stick around till the end to find out if Frank comes up with topic number three? Oh uh, my God. I don't know. If, if people don't know, we we basically do zero planning for this podcast. The, our planning is our lives. So things that are happening in our lives become the podcast. And I think that's really exciting. I mean, it kind of makes it, you know, spontaneous. But there are some planned things like events, obviously, like when build and dub dub and big releases come out and iPhones are, you know, breaking and setting on fire because of titanium. Those are great <laughs> things to talk about. However, Frank, <laughs> I want to bring up and talk about in up billing again. Because <laughs> right. I thought you were joking. Nope. I, I, I okay. thought there was no way we were talking about this. <laughs> nope. I was so as one does with their partner is you often are taking long drives together and you talk about in-app billing libraries <laughs> and specifically Google in-app billing things. Because I often I, I build the in-app billing plugin and at my wife's company, she's head of mobile engineering. So like she deals with this stuff like all the time. So we talk yeah. about Google's restrictions and requirements. Now, okay. in this call, we've just doubled down on how much we enjoy now Apple could screw us all over by the way, like next release, but I don't think they will. I, here's my problem. Frank At Google has decided in, in their righteous mind to release a new version of in-app billing every single year. And yeah. they decide that you have one or two years to upgrade to that version, <clears throat> or you cannot release your app. Now that I'm not going to turn off the spigot, maybe at some point, right. <laughs> but you're not even allowed to update your application and they're big breaking changes. And here's the thing. I use zero of these new features. I have one yeah. in-app billing thing to purchase and one subscription. I don't have free trials. I don't have promos. I don't have like groupings. I have all this stuff. I think I'm in the 99% of applications that have like one thing to buy, two things to buy, one subscription, not a big deal. And like even big companies, right? Like mm -hmm. big applications have like a subscription. You know what I mean? It's like not a huge thing. I want to talk about the ethics behind this. And am <laughs> I just, am I, am I like, like, is it, is it okay? This because is here's subject. the thing. Here's the thing. Here's why I hate making the in-app billing library that's cross-platform which because it deals volunteer with volunteer to do but fine let's oh, yep. please continue <laughs> i hate it i love it but i hate it it's because it deals with money and it, i don't want to mess with people's money every <sighs> year yeah. 
Google is messing with money for, for developers. Yeah. And it's very upsetting. This is a new thing. And here's the thing. I have to go through all this code. And it's all, all the API does get worse. There's nothing better to them. They're more complex, more advanced to do the same freaking thing, which is buy a product, restore a purchase. Give me a product back. Why do I need phases and changes? And like, why are they changing like product SKUs to products? Like, why, why, why are you doing it? It's so upsetting. What would Miguel de Acasa say? Ding. Well, I mean, it's it's an <laughs> ding. <laughs> it's an ad company. Of course they're gonna mess with your money. All they do is play little margin games. Like, ooh, if I charge this person 25% and that person 27%, we have a 2% uh arbitrage and we're profitable. This is how big companies think. This is why you should never work with big companies. But anyway, um, it's just Google, they're notorious, they don't care about anything. Um, is it ethical? No, let me let me just get to the let's let's get there right in the beginning. Um, no, every time and I, look, I'm even going to take a bigger stance. I don't even care that it involves money. You wow. are not allowed to break an API ever. I don't care if you're using Semver or not. You are not allowed to break an API. If you decide in your vast wisdom to increase your major version number and break an API, that's a bug. You are introducing a bug into everyone's app and you have to decide is your single person's time more valuable than thousands of other people's time or are you not a conceited jerk? You have to make yeah. that decision at some point. And when you've made that decision, you'll see don't break an API ever. That said, you know, sometimes global warming happens, wars break out. Sometimes you got to change an API, you bump up the Semver, but you cannot do it every year. So no, it's unethical. They're a big group of jerks. And I'm just going to say it because someone has to this modern world of breaking libraries every year just for fun. Like this happens. I've been doing a little bit of the JavaScript world and the mm. JavaScript world is particularly nasty because... Not only is there a new framework invented every year, everyone's got to switch to that, but libraries come and go, and libraries don't keep up with the latest runtimes. And if you let a Node app sit for, I'm going to say about a year, maybe two years, it's going to be very difficult for you to get that thing up and running again, just from packages missing and libraries moving on, incompatibilities with the OS, things like that. So in general, the whole modern movement toward Semver and breaking APIs, just going to say it, everyone who does that is a big jerk, and please stop doing it. Uh, yeah. Rant over. Please tell me more, James, about how they're a yeah. jerk. <laughs> the, the problem, and the problem is, is like every time that they break the API, I have to break my API, basically. Like there's no yeah. sometimes ways around it. And I even had someone reach out to me you know, at Microsoft. I was like, Hey, like I'm getting ready to upgrade. Cause I can't upgrade my app. I can't even release an app upgrade until right. I upgrade your thing. Is it yeah. against V six? And I was like, yeah, it's against V six. Like, were there any changes? I was like, I was yeah. like, well, there, the, the API surface, I did an additive change. So, you know, I had a default, okay. I added a default, uh, math, uh, constructor, uh, sorry, a default parameter. So your API nope, is compatible. No, not good enough. Um, you can't put a, by default, do you mean it's initialized to a value? Yes, correct. That's not good enough. Um, because in .NET, we ship our apps compiled, IL. It's not compiled down to native, it's compiled to yeah. IL. You yeah. have introduced a new parameter into that correct. constructor. 
that makes it a completely different constructor from what they're linking against. So it, if they're at a code level, then they can recompile against your library without a change. Yes. But at a binary level, you just broke every app. That is correct. Correct. And Accurate. that matters. Yeah. It does matter because, um, okay, so if someone's referencing you, bueno, everything's fine. If someone's referencing someone who references you, that's no bueno. <laughs> yeah, that, that is, and that is the issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a good point. No, I didn't think of it like that. That's a that's a super yeah, good point. Don't add param- adding parameters is a breaking change, and see rant number one. Breaking changes are not allowed. I guess I well see. Ah, uh, no, I guess you're right. So I guess I would have had to introduce a second a, constructor, an overloaded can, constructor. Oh man, yeah. Okay, that's. There you go. The more you learn, I mean, I probably knew that. Now that you say it, now it makes sense. Yeah. But it's like, oh, it was like, oh, there's evil. Yeah. Well, the as other long thing as you're too additive, is yeah. No mutation, yeah. be additive. Yeah. Well, Those then the what I told them, I was like, well, that's the only change to like methods. If you upgrade the library, which you'll have to, and just reference me directly, that's the only thing you'll have to change. I said, except all of Android subscriptions change 100% because Google changed everything at 100%. And someone was like, someone right. was like, and here's the fun part is like, Someone was like, there used to be a property called free trial length, and that's no longer there. Like, how do I get access mm-hmm. to that? And I said, oh, Google removed that, and they prefer that you parse the string that you set it. So they they recommend you you do product ID 30D or 1W or 1M or whatever, right? And you Cute. parse the string yourself and like, what? what? What a, and I was what like, a wonderful change. Totally worth breaking change and making it worse. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, it's it's delightful and changing. And it just kind of upsets me because um, it's like I have, and the thing is, I have like no reason to upgrade my application. Like my application's good. It's running. Like I'm not mm-hmm. really, it's in kind of in maintenance mode. And to yeah. me, this is what upsets me about it is like, it's in maintenance mode and it's like, good like it's ready for I don't the like fall that season term. that that's a big corp term don't use maintenance mode Just it's in the app does what i designed it to do and it okay. doesn't have any the outstanding app, bugs <laughs> the app is stable and it's doing what i want it to do and i'm not yeah i'm not i'm not if i wanted to add new features the feature i wouldn't want to add is rewrite all of the in-app billing and retest all of it right like the thing works <laughs> perfect like if then then heather and i are discussing we're like well, here's the cool, interesting part about Apple. They have StoreKit, mm-hmm. which is not a great API uh, mm-hmm. in general. It, it's been around from the beginning. And you know yep. what they've done? It's Everything has been additive. They have all this new junk that I don't care about. I don't even care. I don't even want it. I expose it because it's new. I put the conditions around the blah, blah, blah. It's all new. It's all good. It's all additive. They changed nothing else. Now they have StoreKit too. If you want to rewrite all of your in-app billing, you can. I know at some point they're going to force us to do it, right? But mm-hmm. in all of the years of StoreKit, guess what? It works exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, not not to play silly games, but like, how often have you had to update the iOS side of your in-app billing generic plugin? Never. I've only Never. updated it Period. to add new features. <laughs> 
That's it. Yeah. Okay. So if they, yeah. What did they do? They did like limited subscriptions or time limited subscriptions, things like that. Yeah. They added, they they added like more metadata. So like you could grab more metadata, you could like open a subscription page or do a bunch of other, Mm -hmm. like little, like open some store page or like see if someone, you can like see if there's like a Boolean that says like, does this account have access to the store? So if it's like a kid's account, right? It wouldn't have access. Right. So that's a Boolean you could check ahead of time. I didn't know about that one. Mm, Yeah. So that's kind of cool. You can say, oh, are you able to even buy stuff? And if you're not, then I'm not going to prompt up the screen because it'll just give you an error or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, I know it's not the greatest API, but like um, every time I would go to you, and we've certainly discussed it on the podcast plenty of times, I I keep saying these things are just shopping carts. Like, you know, (laughs) let me access (laughs) the inventory. Let me post an order and let me get a confirmation that the order succeeded and um, everything else I can handle. And yet they just keep on insisting on making things more complex. Um, Yeah. It's like when you go to home. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like you're saying like, and like you also want to like retrieve all of the, receipts for a user account. Like when you go to Home Depot and you want to return something, they scan the mm-hmm. receipt, which is your user ID for all intents. It's a transaction ID, mm-hmm. but you have it. And they're like, cool, done, returned. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we know that you bought this thing on this thing and it pulls it up and it's just a database. Look, I'm like, do that thing. That's all I want. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, now the sad thing is like, I was just thinking, okay, small side tangent here. I was playing what if, what if, what if the world was different? What if history was a little bit different? And the what if game that I was playing was what if the app store wasn't based on stupid iTunes and selling music? What Mm. if the Apple engineers had actually decided to write a new app store that had you know, app specific things like trials and, you know, demos and betas and things like that. That's not the world we live in. Instead, the world we live in is we got a very messed up version of iTunes in order to sell our apps in, which had zero Mm. features for apps. In-app purchases weren't even there in the beginning. That's why all my apps were paid for. And I and it's also why none of the apps ever had trials, because you don't trial music. You you get a 30-second version of it, but they won't even let us post 30-second versions of our apps. So it, it, the What If game really annoyed me because I kept thinking, I'm like, wow, they're, and I'm, it's not laziness. We all know how big corporations work and building a website is actually difficult. But I'm just going to say laziness. The laziness to reuse the iTunes system for purchasing apps really really defined history i i blame it a lot for bringing the price of apps down to zero to where we all have to do the freemium model now and then fine they could have supported the freemium model but they don't so we're supposed to use subscriptions and in-app purchases to do the freemium model it's all just kludges on kludges on kludges because of stupid history and because we got the wrong branch in the what if game so um why do they keep i i agree that they should keep adding to it because yeah in-app purchases are very important it's the only way to make money on the app store mostly these days but it it still doesn't give google any any right (laughs) any right to change the api they're just conceited yeah Yeah, whatever yeah it's like i feel like that's the problem yeah it's like when things are so when things are so stable right they're already forcing you to upgrade your app for the latest compilation and all this other stuff and like 
that's a minimum bar. And eventually like just delist your app. And it's like, okay, I get mm-hmm. it. Like you want active apps, you want the stuff. But it's like, again, what if the app is literally doing and running perfectly exactly how I want it to be? And that's my, my problem at the end of the day. Let yeah. my users complain that they haven't gotten up any updates because the app shows a number <laughs> on the screen. That's what it's supposed to do. That's all I wanted to do, Frank. All right. Topic number two. Topic number two. I did a video on it. It's called oh. Nougat. Nougat Central Package Management. You know about this? Have you heard about this? Oh, Have you heard the news, Frank Krueger? I thought you even mentioned this on the podcast at one point, but I've already forgotten, but I'm pretty sure I like it, but I've already forgotten what it does. James, I didn't watch your video. Give us the quick version. <laughs> Let's say, Frank, you're building an application and it has more than one project. It has you know, class libraries, it's got a back end, mm-hmm. it's got a front end. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an application. It's got, it's got stuff. Now, yeah. let, this, the problem is that the, here's the problem. The problem is that <laughs> when you want to update your nougats, you got three, four, five projects, right? Oh yeah. And you have to go update all of them, go into the package references pack. Hopefully you're not using packages config, please don't, <laughs> but you got to go update that. You got to use the GUI. You got to use the command yeah. line. You got to open the yeah. files, do a thing. And pretty much all you're doing is just updating them all to the same exact version. So they all match up. Just like you said earlier, you want your, them to you be, really especially want if you're using to too. don't mix the versions. It's bad. It's really bad, bad stuff. <laughs> so what if Frank, you could just have a single file that mm-hmm. instead of having package references, defined package versions. Ooh, I like it because I already invented this six years ago. No big <laughs> deal. You actually had to deal with it. Um, you would. There was a period of time where you were uh, helping me out with Continuous, my IDE, and I had this mm-hmm. funny F-sharp script in it called set versions and you're like frank what is the set versions thing and i'm like james that's how you set the versions and you're like why can't i just update the nougats and i'm like no you can't update the nougats it's a very fragile very sensitive project it's very sensitive about all of its versions and mm-hmm. it, it was um the project was really complex because i'm sure like most people's big projects you have a whole bunch of your code a whole bunch of code you copy and pasted because there was no nougat. <laughs> you had to put it in there. And then you have 8 billion nougats coming into your project that also provide code. And so you just have all these different sources of code and getting them all in sync was very difficult. And I just threw up my hands at one point and wrote a terrible script that given a list of version numbers would just dig into every project just mercilessly. Mm-hmm crack open every project file and just go find all the versions and update all the versions really great um i'm glad they're baking it in. i actually do have a different solution i've been using these days but the solution's better um should i mention the other one or should you tell us some more about this version thing first well i'm curious if the thing that you were using was the same thing that i was using which was directory.build.props yes. yeah that's yes. the hacky old way of doing it yeah yeah, and I, in general, I, I consider it a hack too. Um, I, a lot of people who love MS Build would say these are not hacks. These are things designed features. to work this way. Yeah, these are features for MS Build. Yeah. Where I disagree with that is I really don't like global environment settings. So if my project is dependent on a file outside of the directory of the project and that dependency is implicit, I don't like 
I don't mm. like implicit. I don't like magic. I don't like things going yeah. to find things. But this NuGet package problem is such a big deal that uh, the easiest solution, everyone, uh, go create a, what is it called? Directory.props or directory.build.props, whatever. Something like that. Go look up the documentation. Uh, what's lovely about that thing is you can just put in a whole bunch of properties. And it's it acts like a little csproj file that gets merged into all your project files. And that way you can set all these properties really uh, consistently between a bunch of projects. And you can even, uh, thanks to PackageRef, force a bunch of NuGets into all projects. But that's the kicker. That's the bad spot. Every NuGet you list in there is going to get added to every project, which is probably not what you want. And that's why I'm actually um, happy to hear that they're doing something a little smarter. That's just versions, not the packages themselves. Am I getting that right? So you can... Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So you can define like, let's say you define five package versions of of, of five different NuGets. Then in project one, maybe that has all five. So you'll still do a package reference. You'll say include newtonsoft.json, but you just leave off the version because the version is implied by the package version. Now in the other project, maybe it's only using two. So it only brings in two. Bingo, bango. Now, Here's the kicker. Now there's a bunch of rules and you can override and you can have nested, you know, directory.packages.props, right? So it's kind of the same thing as you were doing. But here's the kicker is if you're using .NET 7 or 8, you can use something called global package references. It goes in the same file, but imagine you want a NuGet in every single okay. project. So before like you would do what you were doing. Yeah. Exactly. But you can mix and match these. So you can say, here's all the package versions. And then here are global package references <laughs> that go everywhere in every single project. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. That's my that's my jam. And it is actually pretty cool because there there's not too big of a downside to referencing a package, even if you don't use it. The downside on iOS is that package will come with you. If it doesn't get linked out, it'll increase the size mm-hmm. of your executable. But it doesn't increase the size of a DLL or anything. You could add 8,000 references in there, and the DLL size will only go up by the name of the files. <laughs> the files. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's cool, because uh, I could easily see me throwing <laughs> all the JSONs and all the things in there. I, hmm. Actually, I'm gonna, I, I manage my own new project templates. I'm going to throw yeah. one of these into my new project template. Yeah. And all yeah. my projects are going to get all the things because you know what? I just don't care anymore. Add all the libraries. I want all the libraries. Every time I have to write code, I get angry these days. So <laughs> just bring them all in. Bring in. Can I just say NuGet star? Can I just bring in everything? <laughs> you can. You can do. Um, you can do like star like you know like versions or whatever that mm-hmm. works as well. So if you're like give me everything yeah. 8.0 dot star or whatever. It'll figure that out. But that would be... uh, It's funny because I was just dealing with this too in Continuous that has Um, the magic set version script that does all this stuff for me. I think all my versions are perfect, right? I get to the end of a 37-minute build because that's how long it takes to build this stupid thing. Get to the end and it's like, hey, buddy, uh, we see you wanted F-Sharp Core 5.0.1, but we're going to bring in 6.0.1 because... And I'm like, but why? And they're like, cuz. And I'm like, but why? And they're like, cuz. And I'm like, okay, fine. So like, 
even with my strict <laughs> system, I still somehow get random versions of things. And so I'm definitely going to give this um, a little spin to see if it can at least fix my stupid F-sharp core version, because that mm-hmm. one's tripping me up. I have no idea why it's messing up the versions there. That's wild. Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool feature, and it's something that I didn't know about. And I was working on some stuff for Donet Conf and we're in this repo and I was yeah. like, Oh, what is this? I'm like, what is this file? And it's kind of cool too. Cause like, let's say you're doing ASP.NET core, like a lot of the version numbers are the same, right? So let's say you yeah. have like a bunch of ASP, you have like eight. So it's still, you still can define variables up top. So you could say like ASP.NET core version, right? You can still oh, define geez. and then reference them <laughs> with like a dollar sign below. So you could, Basically, oh like, here's all of my ASP.NET ones, and they're all referencing this version. So that's kind of cool is you can just bump it in one place, and then it just trickles down. So it's kind of cool. Ooh, I like that. Now I'm getting scared, though. It sounds like someone put some effort into this uh, configuration language. Sounds like it's growing up to be a programming language. Great. It's always good pretty when nice. that happens. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, so how, how out of date are we, James? Is this a .NET 6 feature, 7, 8, when to come out? The .NET 6 feature, yeah. It's so, .NET 6. D- okay, .NET everyone, 6, hi. Yeah, .NET, <laughs> .NET, .NET 6 for the package version, .NET 7 for the global packages. So not too okay. far. Yeah. You know, honestly, it's like two years. It's uh, I don't even feel too bad. I was um, I got the funniest email from Azure the other day. And it's all like, hey, buddy. I'm like, hey, what's up, Azure? And it says... I see you're running a .NET 6 app. I'm like, yeah, living in the future. And it's like, no, no, that's the past. That's the past, buddy. You know what the future is? .NET 8 LT. You're on .NET 6 LT. Long term yeah. here at Microsoft means a year and a half. So yeah. uh, we're going to need you to upgrade to .NET 8, which actually hasn't been released yet. And I'm like, great, buddy. You're really, really stressing me out here. <laughs> but, uh, I got it. I saw your tweet and I got I got what an email that was like, hey, you're on Donet 7, you need to update to Donet 8. I have inside baseball that I can't talk about on the podcast and we'll talk about after I hit the stop. Um, yeah. but I, I have I have a whole I, I sent a whole email out to some people about that. I'm like, wait a second, what's going on here? Wait but a so second. It's not so bad. Like it really isn't so bad because um I, I did post, I, I was slightly nervous because like .NET 3 wasn't compatible with .NET 6. If it had a .NET mm. 3 app, it wouldn't run in .NET 6. But I, th- yeah. I think somewhere around .NET 6 is where um, we stopped being incompatible with old versions. So it should be like mm. 6, 7, 8 should be really easy to bounce between. It's the ones yeah. before 6 that uh, can cause scariness and late night nightmares, things like that. Um, yeah. But even those, most of those go over just fine. I, I recently converted a .NET 3 app over to .NET 6, and that was fine too. But um, yeah. it was just funny. I'm like, it's a year and a half email, Azure. Calm, calm yourself down. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. It's pretty great. All right, I got the last topic because I know you don't have one. Unless you got one. I you had have. one. I, you okay. have to complain. I was going to complain. I'm ready. Go ahead. Bring it on. Oh, two no, old guys this, this complain is a, This is a perfect three minute topic here we'll, we'll bring Perfect. this in to 30 minutes on the dot can i complain for a moment because i i know sure. i already have to about all right test flight app review did you know james <laughs> did you know let, let me finish here did you know that they are reviewing our apps in test flight yes. app review now <laughs> yeah that's correct 
<laughs> they never were before. Man, I've uploaded the junkiest junk to test flight and they would get approved immediately. I always just assumed there was a computer or Siri. Maybe Siri is doing it. Siri's just like, oh, nice icon approved. And I just assumed that that's how the test flight approval system worked. Now, I know that's not true because something weird happened maybe two years ago, one year ago. App reviews started being faster than test mm-hmm. flight app reviews. It was the weirdest switch. I was waiting on a uh, test flight app review to happen. And I'm like, you know what? This is a solid build. I don't even, I'm not even going to do a beta round for this build. I'd been doing betas before. I'm just going to do a release now. And the release was approved in like four hours. And the test flight was approved two days later. So I'm just like, what is going on over there? And then recently I had an app rejected. So it's all just coming to my head of like, I remember when test flight first came out, we're like, Apple, please don't put an app review on there. That, that's not the point. We want to get betas out. And they're like, no, don't worry. We're just going to look for high level, important stuff. It's going to go right through the beta check. It's going to be super fast. And man, they're, they're just not coming through on that promise. Test flight app reviews are horrendous. There, there shouldn't be rejections on there for anything that's not like just deleting the user's data. Uh, yes, I remember this specifically because it's with, it's mostly with new apps and that's the biggest thing. And Google does the same thing, by the way, especially for new apps that you create. And if it's your first time doing anything, which the first time you're going to do anything is to internal alpha, (laughs) internal testers, test flight testers, right? And really what what you're doing there is you're like, I want to try to get it onto hardware and into users to test. X, Y, Z, you know what I mean? But I found in my testing in recent, recently launching a new app, which I know, I don't know. I guess I circuit 3d was the last one you released, which was, I guess a while ago now. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm due. I'm due for now. (laughs) And, and between that, like, I remember the Google one taking like uh, 10 days or something like that for them to approve it. It was like a week or something like that. It was wild for the beta for the app. For the store. beta, just the beta, just the beta. Wow, wow. And then it took it took it took a good amount of several days actually for them to approve it into the store, um, because I think like either process is the same. Basically, like oh, this is a new thing. We're gonna like actually like, mm-hmm. go through a process. I'm like, wow, this is wild. And the same thing on test flight. I was like just sitting there, like, what is going on? I don't understand. Like it was yeah, it took two or three, four days. I was like, this is wild. Um, I didn't get rejected though, yeah. but. Uh, that's yeah. So I, I don't want to complain. I just it it just feels weird to me. Like the app store was always a scary place because you could work on an app for three months, go mm-hmm. through the app store review. I've literally done this myself, and they're like, "Nope, not going to take your app." You change it as much as you can. They're like, "Nope, nope, we're just not going to take your app." And then what do you do? You're stuck not selling your app. So. Yeah. If what they're doing is running that same level of review to where if it passes test flight app review, most likely it'll pass real app review. Great. But I just don't think that's the case. I think what we have are um, little kings ruling over their little kingdoms and enjoying their little power when they really should just be clicking the approve button and not really doing anything else and so i think what the real problem i have is i don't have a mental model of what test flight is anymore because my apps aren't finished when i put them on test flight exactly what you said i use test flight to test hardware because like 
provisioning's hard and it's annoying. And it's much easier for me to just do a test flight build and get it down to my own test devices and things yeah. like that. They make, uh, I should say, this is all for external testing. The internal testing is still instant. Thank goodness. That's true. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't own every device under the planet. Some of my friends own devices I don't have, and I want to test on their devices, and therefore I want to do external builds also. Um, so this is just a, a short rant on test flights not so fun anymore. It used to be fun. Like you said, once your app is approved, once that version has been approved, then the computer kicks in and just starts auto-approving you. But that first one, it's ugly. And they, they really... Like I keep getting quoted on performance sections of mm. the guidelines. I, I love how they always have to dig up a stupid section of the guideline to prove their to justify their trickiness. Yeah. And then and I keep getting performance and they're like, I don't know how to use your app, but I don't know what your app does. I'm like, how do, what does that have to do with performance? <laughs> it's just yeah. such a broken system. Anyway, that's yeah. complaints over. I'm curious if they think that it's if they just let anything in there, then people will use it as like an app distribution store for friends. You know what well, I here's mean? Here's the thing. That app store is full of scam apps. All the okay. top selling, all the top profiting apps on the app store right now are scams. Go look at the list. They are just, they're like, hey, give us 50 bucks and we're going to blink some lights at you. And that's what they do. And those apps are allowed in. <laughs> but true. I can't get a stupid basic app through a beta test. The, yeah, you can you can steal as much money from users as you want. That's allowed. But, you know, don't you dare show a blank screen. The number one app right now in the world Top is money. No, this is actually really surprising. Top free app is it's called Laps. It's a disposable camera, social <laughs> fun, social uh, disposal for friends. I guess you take photos every day. And then Timu, which is uh, you know, things that are really are cheap. Top and downloads. Then... Look for top profits, top money. How do I find that? Well, it used to be easy. There used to be um, um, top paid apps used to be the way you do it. But now you have to go find um, top um, gross, top. There, there's something. You can find it. I'm looking. Apps you might like. There's, there's so many categories. I know I'm not even going to the I know. store. Yeah, exactly. Top, search top is the only way apps. to use it. Yeah. Shadow that used to be the way you find out, but now with in-app billing, top paid apps is not representative of the top earners. Yeah, that's true. No, Hard the top to earners are... Yeah. I'm imagining if it's a top app, that it's probably also a top earner. Because like, I no, bet if I go... No, that's the problem. Okay. No, a lot of oh. apps are scam apps that are just profiting off of well, they're profiting off of users in ugly ways. They're the kind of apps that are like, um, uh, hey, this is free, but in order to do anything, you got to try this one month thing that's going to charge you $15 and they auto subscribe you and then you stay subscribed. Those kinds of scams. Speaking Scam of alert. <laughs> um, well, on that scam note, uh, let me end on some cool stuff that's going on in the world. Um, All right. Got .NET Conf happening. Check out .NET Conf.net. I think the schedule is going to be out by the time this podcast had, is out. We'll see. They had dates announced. Can you say the dates? Yeah. Oh, November yeah. 14th to the okay. 17th. Nope. Great. To the, yeah. .NET Conf. 
14th to the 16th, 14th, 15th, 16th, dot 14th, net, 15th, 16th. Net. They just announced the student zone. So if you're a student and learning, you got to check out the student nice. zone. It's pretty cool. It's a day before on the 13th. A cool promo trailer. I'm in it a bunch with my long hair. But I do want to give a shout out to the Visual Studio channel, Frank. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash Visual Studio. Now, tomorrow when this podcast is out, to the podcast, this podcast is out on the 9th. On the 11th, so two days later, you can mm-hmm. go to the YouTube.com forward slash Visual Studio. We'll talk about mm-hmm. it next week, too. There's this mini series called Tea and Technology. I prefer <laughs> to call it Coffee and Technology. I don't know. Um, I am others. Seven. There's seven episodes, like a TV series. Every, every week, ah. new things get released. Yeah. Um, their mini series where Richard Campbell from Down at Rocks interviews seven different people in and around, you know, different parts of Visual Studio.net, other technologies, talking about their story, talking about all sorts of things. I get to talk about creating mobile apps and my journey, <laughs> which I've talked a little bit about here. Uh, and I, Frank, busted out the floppy disks, and you're going to see some floppy disk code. You're going to see some beautiful C++ code. You're going to see I got permission <laughs> from the game studio that I worked at oh, cool. to get some footage and some code that I wrote nice. from some shader code in this puppy. <laughs> so pretty cool. excited about that. And I talk a little bit about Don and Maui and Xamarin days, things, things of yours. So episode four, October 13th, it's about 12 minutes long. So it's not a big commitment, but it's good stuff. Uh-huh. I'm excited about it. I'll tweet about it. That's fun. On the 11th, it's out. I used to always love uh, Channel Nine stuff, so th- this reminds me a lot of that. And you look like a big old hippie in this, with your long hair and your unshaven beard. <laughs> it's very long, yes. yes it's, 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 it's happening in general. So, well, that's it. I just want to end on that note. I'll put a link in the show yep. notes to the blog, talking about it. Give it a look. So, until next week, this has been another Merge Conflict. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for watching and listening. Peace.